American soccer fans, welcome to episode 53 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Donald Wine here, manager of Stars and Stripes FC, your source for all things U.S. national teams, the players that comprise them, and everything else surrounding the beautiful game in this country. Wow. Um, we've been gone for a couple of weeks. There has a lot that has happened. Um, we had Memorial Day. We had four men's matches. We had a women's match, but we're going to focus in on the men this week because they had a very important window. And you guys have heard me talk about the CONCACAF Nations League and, and how I felt it is one of the most important tournaments that we have this summer. And the guys went out and treated it that way. We are now talking about the U.S. men's national team, your CONCACAF Nations League champions, the first ones in the history of this competition. We're going to talk about just the entire window and how it shaped out. So let's go back to Memorial Day weekend, which seems like an eternity ago, but it was only a couple of weeks. It was only 13 days ago that the U.S. was in Switzerland playing against the Swiss who are now about to compete in Euro 2020 in 2021 yes that's confusing but they had a warm-up match and the reason for this match was a couple of things one it was to simulate what world cup qualifying is going to be like remember we're going to have several windows during world cup qualifying where the u.s men's national team will have to play three matches in six days so this was to simulate playing in europe and having our guys from europe play there and then come over to north america to play in a World Cup qualifying atmosphere. Now, the other thing that this was supposed to do was to prepare the team to play at altitude. Since the CONCACAF Nations League playoffs were at Denver, mile high Denver, they played in the Swiss Alps of St. Gallen. So they were able to get acclimated to the climate. They were able to get acclimated to the altitude before they flew over to Denver and prepared for those games. So what you saw against Switzerland was a team that was clearly getting used to the altitude and getting used to the, how that feels to expend all that energy and not get you know enough oxygen in your system when you breathe in. They were clearly gassed by the end of the game. They started out well, Sebastian Legit, with the goal to put the U.S. up 1-0, but Switzerland quickly capitalized on a mistake, and then they scored a game winner in the second half. It was a 2-1 Switzerland victory. So I'm not going to talk too much about this game, but obviously there was a lot of things that we needed to work out, namely the defense. Who was going to be able to track back when our wingbacks moved forward and Serginho Dest and Anthony Robinson or whoever was at the fullback position. But what we saw were guys clearly looking to see what areas they needed to work on and figure out how to put it together before they came over to the United States in Denver for the CONCACAF Nations League finals. So. What I will focus in on is a couple of games. First, the Honduras game. The Honduras match was the CONCACAF Nations League semifinal. It took place on June 3rd, last Thursday. And it was a match that I was in the stands. So if you can notice my voice, I was at these three matches in Denver and Salt Lake City. So my voice sounds a little bit like a blender. I apologize for that. However, I will not apologize for why it sounds like a blender. And that was because I was yelling my face off in the stands along with the rest of the American contingent that was at the games uh, in Denver and Salt Lake City, uh, helping to lead the cheers. So uh, if you guys know me, you've probably seen me do that uh, at a match more than once. Uh, and that will be the case a lot this summer and into World Cup qualifying, but I digress. In this game, what we saw was the MVP of the game to me 
was the stretcher girls. And I, I don't say that lightly because it seemed like they probably, if you had a heat map of the, of the girls who were operating the stretcher during this game, their heat map was off the charts. It was amazing because it seemed like every three minutes, really every 30 seconds, they were running onto the field because a Honduran player had hit the ground and was writhing around and screaming as if their leg had been cut off. Naturally, when these, when these ladies, these young ladies were able to get onto the field with a stretcher, magically, these guys were better again and got up off the field. But what we saw in this game was pure concacaffing, all of it, from the antics that were being done by the Honduran players to the referee just not feeling like the referee had a real control over this game at any point. There was a lot going on in this match, but one thing was for sure. We didn't play well, and everyone was probably concerned after this match about how we played, but what I, I say we didn't play well, but I also say that we toughed it out, and that's the most important thing. When you're talking about a playoff atmosphere, when you're talking about any sort of playoff, it does not matter how well you play as long as you win. We, of course, we want to play perfectly at all times, and that's never going to happen. But flying to Denver, playing a Honduras team who was clearly convinced that they just want to run it to penalties and take their chances on penalties. They were doing everything they could to drag this game down, to slow it down, to time waste, to do all the antics necessary to make this game as short as possible. And the U.S. men's national team toughed through that. They were able to get the goal. Jordan Sibachu or Jordan P. P. Falk. I'm going to call him Jordan P. Falk because... It seems like that is what he wants. I'm getting clarification from U.S. Soccer as to which name he wants to go by, but he has indicated that he wants to go by P-Folk, so Jordan P-Folk it is. He scored the goal late in the game to secure a 1-0 victory. Again, Honduras was trying to drag the clock out, trying to drag it out, and all of a sudden when we scored, here comes the, the complaints about time-wasting. They did it for about 90 minutes, and for once – it backfired. And that is what CONCACAF is like. These guys, our young players got a glimpse of what CONCACAF is like. And, and for the people in stands it was frustrating for you watching at home. I'm sure it was frustrating, but we got the victory. And I will say this in the other semifinal, Mexico and Costa Rica, neither of those teams played well either. A lot of people said, Oh, Mexico looked great against Costa Rica. They went to penalties and it took a memo Ochoa save on the sixth penalty to secure that victory for them and set up the final that everyone wanted. But both make it make no mistake, no team in this playoff and the semifinal round at least played well. Now, there is the game that will go down as one of the all-time great games in the history of the biggest rivalry in CONCACAF, and that is USA versus Mexico. The CONCACAF Nations League final was absolutely insane, crazy, whatever adjective you use to describe it. It was bonkers. It was an all-time classic game, but it had everything. It had fights. It had time wasting. It had beer throwing. It even had the ugly side of things. It, it we had many goals. We had VAR insert itself into the game 
on more than one occasion. We had two penalties in extra time in the same extra time period. One went in Christian Pulisic with the, the iconic photo now that is circulating on social media. If you haven't seen it, you just haven't been on social media and you should just turn it on and you'll find it. And then there was the VAR that gave a penalty to Mexico just a few minutes later. And we had an injury to Zach Steffen late in the game. He has to sub out. In comes Ethan Horvath. And Ethan Horvath, and I'm going to tell you guys, and you guys may not believe me that weren't in the stands, but everyone in the stands understands this. When that VAR happened to give Mexico their penalty in the 119th or 120th minute, whatever it was, I turned to people in the stands. I said, Ethan Horvath was stopping the shot. Before the VAR came back with the review, before they lined up for the penalty, this was when he went to look at the monitor. I said, Ethan Horvath was stopping that shot. And Ethan Horvath was the hero. He stopped the shot from Andres Guardado. And a few minutes later, your U.S. men's national team was CONCACAF Nations League champions. And it was an incredible moment. There was a couple of incredible, I mean, I say a couple, there was a bunch of incredible moments during this game, but I wanted to start with that because it's very difficult for any goalkeeper to come off the bench and perform. And that's why a lot of teams choose to go with one goalkeeper throughout the game. And it's why a lot of teams and a lot of fans ultimately fear the worst when their goalkeeper goes down in the middle of the game and you have to use a substitute on the backup goalkeeper. Ethan Horvath was ready to play. This was the embodiment of everyone on this team that we saw in the CONCACAF Nations League finals, because when your number is called, you have to be ready to go. And that is what World Cup qualifying is going to be like. There is going to be 23, 24, 25 guys in these camps. And every single one of them needs to be ready when their number is called. Ethan Horvath was ready. He, I know he let in the goal just a few minutes later when Diego Lanez came in to make it two to two or two to one. I'm sorry. We equalized a couple minutes later with Weston McKinney, who had an incredible game. He was the best player in the tournament and deserved to win that award. And he did. But Ethan Horvath, I am so proud of because we've talked about whether or not he could be the number two guy. And he proved that when his number is called in the most incredible moments of the biggest rivalry in CONCACAF and one of the biggest rivalries on this planet, he delivered. He saved the penalty that would have tied the game and sent the game into a penalty shootout. And you only ask for your keeper to stop one penalty. And Ethan Horvath said, we don't need to go to penalties to wait for that. I'll just do it right now. And it was an amazing moment in his hometown. I'm so, so happy for him. And so, so happy that he was able to perform when the lights were on him and the team needed it the most. He delivered. He is our hero. And Ethan Horvath, if you're listening to this, I don't know if you are, but hell, hell of a game, hell of a game, hell of a game. I want to also talk about a couple other guys in the field. I mentioned Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney was all over the place in both games. He was exhibiting swagger. He was exhibiting fierceness, toughness. He was every corner. I'll tell you, the United States had probably five or six corners in the Mexico game. Two of them resulted in goals. Three of them required Memo Ochoa ridiculous saves for them to not be goals. And almost every single one of them, Weston McKinney was involved in it. He was involved in the first goal where he headed the ball off of the post and Gio Reyna 
uh, picked up the rebound and, and knocked it in from about six yards out. He also just said it in the second goal. I'll just do it myself and headed the ball in. And he was maybe a foot over everybody else when he hit that ball. Weston McKinney also exhibited some toughness. And he, to me and to a lot of people, exhibited stuff that was like, yo, this is a captain. This is a captain on this field. And I'm glad that we have a few guys that we can rely on that have that potential. But Weston McKinney exhibited leadership. He exhibited fierceness, toughness, and he was the first person on the field to celebrate goals. He was the first person in people's faces to defend when one of our guys got hurt or one of our guys got pushed around. He was enforcing. He was on the ball. He was dazzling on offense. He was tough on defense. Weston McKinney, I can't say enough about that kid. And he did it with a smile on his face and really just enjoying and embracing that moment. And you want guys like that, right? You want people to embrace the moment of a USA versus Mexico rivalry and all that it entails. And he was one of the guys that did that. But I will say about the whole team, we have not seen this fight from a U.S. men's national team in a long time. And I know a lot of fans out there who have been jaded from 2017 who have said, I'm not really interested. They're not really showing the heart or the character. They provided all of that on Sunday night. And that's what led to this being an all-timer. When a USA-Mexico game comes on, you got to be ready to play. And we've played them a few times in the last couple of years. But they both won at this game. They both played well in this game. They also had some mistakes on, on both sides. But this game, I don't want anyone to ever tell me ever again. Uh, people were joking and, and clowning me when I said that the Nations League was a great tournament and that it could be great. It became great on Sunday night when the USA and Mexico played like they wanted it, played like they wanted to have the bragging rights of being the first team ever to hoist that trophy and to do it over their arch rivals. That tough, that whole just energy was there. It was palpable in the stadium. The USA chance, the Mexico chance going back and forth was absolutely insane. And in that extra time, I've never heard American fans louder at a US-Mexico game ever. It was loud. It was ear splitting loud in the United States supporter section, AO, Sammers SC, uh, they were just, we were just going at it. We were going crazy in the stands and it was a sight to watch. Damn near cried when the game was over. Could breathe a sigh of, ex of, sigh of relief, uh, exultation, joy, all of those, all of those emotions were there. And, and I, it's hard not get emotional when even thinking back about that game, because everyone who was in the stands, that's going to be a game that down the line, everyone's going to be like, man, we were there. It was an all-time classic. And I am so happy that I was there to witness that and to be there to cheer on our team to victory in what will now, I, I mean, again, like I said, going forward, the Nations League, people are going to want to get that feeling back. And what this team did is get people motivated and excited about the future of this team. And when I mean the future, I don't mean two or three years down the line. I mean, gold cup. I mean, world cup qualifying. I mean, immediately everyone is excited about these upcoming tournaments and competitions that we have to go through. And they're excited about the players that are about to play in them. And that is what we wanted. We have a, we have a pool of players that people can get behind, that people can get excited about when they take the field, and that they have the confidence that these guys are going to grind out wins, they can tough out wins, or they can win flashy like they did uh, just the other day against Costa Rica in Salt Lake City. So 
the United States men's national team really did something in Denver. They really started something. And I hope it continues to build. And that is momentum. That is absolute excitement over this team. And I hope you guys out there were excited to see that win. I hope you were just excited as I was to see them pull that off, to see Ethan Horvath make that save, to see Christian Pulisic hit the PK to win the game. I hope you were as excited as I was. I hope you are as excited as I am about what this team can do in the Gold Cup. Uh, not this particular set of 23 because they're going to get the summer off, but just what the U.S. men's national team can do during the Gold Cup. And then when World Cup qualifying comes around, get ready. I mean, get ready now because we need you to be ready for that first match where, wherever it is, for that second match where, at home, wherever that is, for the Mexico game when that's at home, for Costa Rica, for Mexico away, for Costa Rica away in the last window whatever World Cup qualifying match that you can get to or matches, get to them. The U.S. men's national team needs your support. We want you to be there, and we want you to relish in this journey because they've given us the excitement. Now it's time for us to be excited and continue to motivate ourselves, continue to push through the summer and get ready because when the time is ready, the U.S. men's national team is going to have a lot of guys whose number are called. But they are going to call on us, the fans. They're going to call our number. And just like we expect them to be ready, just like Greg Berhalter expects them to be ready, we need to be ready too. And I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to the rest of the summer with the Gold Cup. I'm really looking forward to getting closer and closer to figuring out when, where we're going for World Cup qualifying. We know we will find out the final three teams on the 15th, so next week. It's very, very close. We will know who the octagon is. The U.S. is in it. Let's get ready, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I'm going to have to do this week on episode 53 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. I'm still on the high. My voice still sounds like a blender. The women's national team is in their summer series, so we have a lot to cover with that. They're about to find out who is going to join the Olympic team. A lot is going on. We are, we are, we are fully into soccer season. I will be traveling. If any of you guys are going to be down in Austin, come by the American Outlaws tailgate. Say hello. I will be there. But otherwise... For now, please like and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. We're going to hopefully have a couple of guests next week uh, to try and talk through some of these things that are going on, all the myriad of things that are going on in the world of U.S. soccer. But until then, until after the Women's National Team Summer Series is done and as we get ready for Gold Cup, get ready, y'all. But I'll see you soon. Take care.